You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. You know, I can wave now. Technology's catching up. There's a, there's a red light on and I know where, which camera to direct my <laughs> attention to. Um, this is Joss Parrish, who is the captain of the ship. He runs all the controls and uh, hardly ever misses a, a beat or misses a hook turn. If you're a Victorian, you understand what a hook turn is <laughs> and just how important it is never to get it wrong. See, we've just moved cameras yet again. We've got a sensational uh, special guest. We've got a couple of uh, guests today in this next hour of football, talking about the state of our football nation. Just before we cross to our special guest, who is chomping at the bit because he's achieved, his, sorry, his club and the team that he's been supporting for an awful long time have done something that very few teams do this this day that is they travel to Adelaide and they come away with the points but more about him in just a moment uh just got to touch on last week very quickly Mm -hmm. I said to you last week in the Liberty Women's League uh Melbourne City up against Sydney who would get up and you said well I predicted that uh Sydney FC would go through and get the home grand final. Yeah, but uh, how did you feel when City was 2-0 up? <laughs> <laughs> well, my co-host on our women's football show, Radio Dub, is Bakua Frimpong, and uh, she went a little early celebrating on, on Twitter that we were going to have a grand final I'm in with Melbourne. Her. I, I felt, <laughs> oh, God. Okay, and then we saw Victory play Adelaide mm-hmm. and? Uh, Melina Reyes coming back into the team. C- clinical finisher she oh, is. Best God. finisher in the league, as uh, Alex Chidiak told us on Tuesday night, and she proved that. Okay, so what happens this week? It's Melbourne Derby on Sunday. Correct. There's also a Melbourne Derby on Saturday. Yeah, we've got a double bill. <laughs> oh, wow. This is the one that we were supposed to have a, a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the Asian uh, uh, qualifiers, things had to be moved around. Well, enough of that. Let's catch up with our special guest. Um, you know, about way back in 2012, which seems like about a century ago, um, a young man was given uh, a, a, a chore. He was given a challenge. And they said to him, are you up for the challenge? Uh, He not only was up to the challenge, but his club did something quite remarkable. They not only burst onto the scene, gave the the A-League the biggest boost it had ever seen, it awakened the beast in Western Sydney, and we saw an army emerge, and we saw a team do something quite extraordinary. Can you take us back... uh, Joshua, just for a little flash or a little memory, is there anything you got for me? Well, I remember Ante Kovic's save from that ah, game. That is the defining the memory. Save. With, the, with the laser lights in his face from the crowd <laughs> in, in Saudi Arabia, protecting the 1-0 the lead oh. from the first leg with literally everything he had and making one of the most impossible stops yep. I've ever yep. seen. Yep. It seemed like the stars aligned for the Wanderers that night. It was surreal, honestly, they to did. watch. The Western Sydney Wanderers did something that no club in Australia has done since. Uh, they were magical. They were brand new. They were a force to be reckoned with. And Ante in goal should not have got anywhere near it. But, you know, as you say, the gods, the football gods sometimes play things like that. They gave him and they gave their fans one of the biggest thrills, and Ante should have a statue, which, which we need to direct out to our special guest. John Tatsimas uh, is about to call it a day. Mate, welcome to FNR. What a fabulous journey it's been for you and the club and all the, all the incarnations, uh, the various 
teams that you've put out onto the paddock since 2012. Uh, can you take us back, John, way back to just before you got the phone call? What were you thinking of doing in those days? What were you doing? Well, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I just left the Newcastle Jets not long ago. That's earlier. right, that's right. And thank you for having me on the show, uh, Josh and George, and much appreciated. Uh, so, yeah, a long time ago, and, uh, and certainly I got, I got a call from um, from uh, Tony Popovich and asked him, uh, he asked me to to, to come and join um, uh, what um, he was planning, and um, uh, that we had nothing at the time, and it's well known that uh, nothing at the time, and... Um, and certainly the story, and very, it's been 10 years, but it, and it goes very quickly, and a lot's been done. And it seems a long time, but a lot has been done that hasn't been done in other places in a very short period of time. And I need to say this, and I'm, I say this unequivocally, it cannot have been done with a great deal of good people around, players, staff, volunteers, fans, and visions of people who are in the board and just the people in general from the Western Sydney community and the business community, it could not have been done without all those people, uh, whether they're here or whether they've passed through. Um, that story would not have been the story it was without all those people. Uh, John, you're absolutely right, and we should never forget anyone, and that includes the many volunteers, that each and every football club at any tier deserves and needs to, get, to, to make things happen. But I, I reflect back at that time and the A-League desperately needed uh, that giant of the West to stand up. I can remember three clubs, Marconi, I can remember uh, Sydney, Croatia in the old NSL. They were, they were dynamic uh, matches and the big crowds and they used to create, uh, you know, fantastic energy. And we had been missing it with the introduction of the A-League. And suddenly it seems to me... That that dream that um, you know Tony and others started to put together to form way back in uh, 2012, as you say, a decade ago, um, the stars aligned. Uh, Josh mentioned the stars, the football gods aligned too, and gave you a chance to bring together a bunch of players who had a bit about them. They weren't just uh, journeymen; they were solid players, and some of them had one or two very special moments still to give you. And Ante, uh, does he deserve that statue now on reflection? Uh, look, Ante, he's a, he's a legend of the club, what he did. And, and you talk with Josh, you referred to earlier about the um, the um, laser in his eyes in the final. We actually had him in the semi-final and in the quarters as well, Once one in China, one in Korea. And, um, you know, uh, the challenge in trying to alleviate those pressures for him as a goalkeeper and the players themselves uh, at that time was certainly a, um, without manual, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> he's still gone out there and, and did what he did in that particular game and whatever yeah, we remembered, and rightly so. And an outstanding performance, as were all those lines that took place in those in that, in that campaign, even from the outset. So you need to understand as well that, that at the start of that campaign, um, we were halfway through by the time we got to the quarterfinals. We had lost the grand final to um, uh, the, uh, the Brisbane Roar, I understand, and um, and we had to get on a plane and go to San Francisco and play a round of 16 match, and it was about 38-hour trip the very next day. And we got some uh, a relatively good results, and um, 
And at the end of that campaign, some, a lot of the, so that squad was changed over for the next season because you could do it at the, after that. And our, our A-League season had finished. So there's another group of players that had, a lot of them had changed as well. So we need to acknowledge the players that got us to the round of 16 and another group of players that actually got us through to the, the final and won it. So uh, it was a bigger story than just those people that were in the finals. You know, when you when you put it that way, it's like uh, Liverpool or any of the current uh, EPL clubs getting to the final of the or the semi-finals of the uh, European Championship and then having to change their squad. That'd be unheard of. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 you know, the, the, the players had an opportunity to go elsewhere or the coach decided to go another way or whatever the reason may be. But we had it was a it was a calendar year campaign in a, in, a, in, a, in a domestic calendar that's actually essentially a financial year campaign. So you need to merge the right and get the the, the, the chemistry right. And um, and a credit to all involved, in particular the coach that uh, was able to ascertain what he needed and, and those players that pulled through. John, I want to rewind to, to 2012 when that first squad was getting put together and, and on paper it, it kind of looked like a team of rejects. I mean, <laughs> yep. uh, in your role as, as general manager back then, uh, when did you know that this group was actually capable of something special? And uh, Because, you know, it started slowly in a way. I remember you didn't score for the first few weeks. You had this resolute defence, but the team after that just got on this winning run that seemingly wouldn't stop. Um, well, yeah, well, we need to understand a lot of those players, you know, upon reflection, a lot of them were contracted players and a lot of them weren't wanted by their current clubs. Mm. Um, so there were discussions and negotiations to get players out and people I was meeting at my house and, and whatnot. But the story that, that really energised us was we only had about three months really to get to the pre-season and, and whatnot. And, and I remember... Uh, uh, Popper was still at Crystal Palace, if you, if you might recall yep, the time, yep. finishing up there. And, and we couldn't find a ground. We couldn't find um, – uh, well, the home ground was going to be Parramatta Stadium, but we didn't have the financials on that. And um, We had no training ground, and we went to the Olympic um, – the old Olympic – Blacktown Olympic Park that hosted baseball and whatnot, so that the council here was most accommodating. But at the time, um, I remember clearly when I knew we were in the probably – going to have a relatively good season was Pop has come over and um, and he's just landed from the from the airport and he's come to my house and he showed me this presentation. And, and like I said, I've said it a couple of times, but I don't think the credit's been given to the coach in terms of that. He's come to my house and he's shown me a presentation he wants to show the players. And the presentation showed, turns the laptop on we're in the, we're in the patio there at the back and he goes, you know, this is the presentation on it. And, um, and on it was points, performance, premiership. And then he pressed the slide, which blew me away. And, you know, you, you go, right, come on, mate. But, you know, and he had Asian Champions League wins. <laughs> this is before we picked the ball, right? I can say it. He won't say it, but I can say it. Wow. And, and you know, it's easy for me to say two years out that we're going to do that. because. But we, I go, all right, no worries. But we only had six players on the books at the top. Gee. So I said to him, yeah, it's good. Let's get – maybe we get 15 of them before you show it. <laughs> and, yeah, and that was it. And it was only when – and you might remember this, George. We had no – we didn't get the, a, a significant budget, but we were able to go to uh, – on a pre-season trip because of the, of the, the kindness of uh, your old joint, Melbourne Heart, Scotty Munn, who said, mate, can you come up 
to to Ballon and Lismore, and we'll play a trial game up there. That's right. Gee. And at that time, I had to go to the airport pick up Yusuf Thursi, who was like a little school kid on, on a bag <laughs> in, in Brisbane Airport. At, um, <laughs> and 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 at the time, it was we had to stay at a motel. It was one of those old school motels you see in a high school movie out of Richmond High or something like that in 1982, right? And I'm there, and they're lining up, and I'm doing their gas bills and their electricity connections and their visas, and you know it was like a line up outside, and there was a smoker's chair, and we had no meeting room. So we, I went up to the to the to the, to the uh, owner of the motel and I said I need a place where we can meet for the first time because we had a congregate. <laughs> and he's gone. He goes, I'll give you the kitchen and the restaurant area, and I'll give it to this to it this time and this time. So what we did was we went there. We closed the me and Auntie Miller since we're closing the blinds and around <laughs> just to get some some privacy. Some some yes, yeah, it's, it's the middle of the day, right? So you, you, it's. And then Pop has done the presentation. So I'm sitting on the side there and I'm seeing the jugular pop out of his veins and, and, and as he's presenting this thing and I'm looking at the side of all the players, not one player move, mm. right? So he had captured them at that time. They had the belief. We weren't flush with anything. Um, their surrounds were very primitive. But, you know, with the help of the FFA, I need to say that, and um, and and the people around us at the time in that playing group who believed in the vision, it was business from that night. So we got one or draw there against John Aloisi's team, and we go, hey, it's okay. It's not that bad, you know. And, and then it built from there. And Tony built, obviously, Tony built from a defensive point of view very, very early and built the structure. And once the patterns of play started to emerge, everyone bought in. And while we weren't scoring early on, he had his belief, and the players were resolute in their belief that it would come. And once the, once the uh, momentum kicked in, then we're a juggernaut. You've got to understand, too, this was a time when Ange was coaching Melbourne Victory. Yeah. Uh, Arnie was at the Mariners. You know, they were very, very well-regarded coaches and teams in that time, and we were only three or four months old. You know, when you reflect and take us back and give us a sense of uh, – the enormity of the challenge ahead, it makes your achievement even more remarkable. I mean, if we made a movie, there'd be people say to me, uh, George, you've laid it on a bit thick, and Johnny, uh, you need to rewrite it because it doesn't stand up. Yeah. Yeah, look, at the time, that backroom staff was very, very thin. It was Anton Milicic. It was uh, Adam Waterson as the strength and conditioning guy and, and one or two others. That You don't have the cohort that you have now in the A-League. Um, but 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 Popper was well versed, and he had a, and a great lieutenant in, in Tesla and and, um, and and some people here that just want to be part of the story. You need to understand as well. You know, you talked to George about you know the old NSL days, which I love by the way, and I, you know I grew up in it, and, and, and like you, watching the Olympic. And, but you know, there was an Italian team, there was a there was a Greek team, a Croatian team, there was there was everyone, right? Yep. Polonia. But there's 180 nationalities in this area that all came together for the one team, right? For the one team, and it's unheard of. It was a farmland that was yet to be, you know, yield the, the you know, the, the product that it can produce. You know, I grew up in the area, so it was personal for me. Papa grew up in there; it was personal for yeah. him. I, I, you know, I, I had I had a, a dangerous, well, I had a, a severe incident where I cracked my head open, and I've got the scars because I'm a bald guy now, and I see it every day so <laughs> when I shave my head. But 
my parents had to race me to hospital and they couldn't find it or take me here because Blacktown wouldn't take any juniors and I had to go to Campbelltown Hospital. So when we talk about community, we talk about the football club, we talk about we talk about the what it means for the region. It's personal to the people here for who long for a long period of time have been ignored, not only mm-hmm. in sporting terms, mm-hmm. but in, in, in community terms, in infrastructure terms and economic terms, right? We have 300,000 up until recently, 300,000 people going to work in the city every day and only 100,000 going to work every, coming back the other way, right? Mm. So they come home late, the challenges the family, they don't see their kids, it's challenges on the marriage and relationships or whatever it is. So when we talk about football club, the football club is a vehicle for everything. Yeah, It brings everyone together. And, and while ever we haven't had success in recent times, our community mantra and involvement has been second to none and that hasn't changed you know uh, when you when you put it like that uh, we we talk about a summoning we talk about uh, an awakening we talk about a gathering of forces and it seemed to me that it was absolutely a must for western sydney to have a team it was absolutely imperative that they display all the hallmarks of those grand old NSL clubs. In other words, they had to be damn hard to beat. End of story. That's and right. and they had to be uh, your your go to team. They you wore you wore it on your shirt. You wore it on your jacket. You wore it on your on your hat. Uh, and and it was your place of um, of. Uh, you know, letting go all that stress that you speak about. And the Saturday or the Sunday was the place. It was that religion that we speak of. And I can remember it um, clearly at Panhellenic. I can remember it at Sydney Olympic. Um, and I've been shown just how it was treated um, in, the, in the glory days of South Melbourne and what it meant to be at Middle Park or at Lakeside. It was a religion. And all the communities would come together. But Western Sydney had something else, as you said earlier. They'd been denied any contribution until that moment. Take us back to that first week. Um, did you have an office? No, no. We, we, look, we didn't have an office. We didn't have a training ground uh, at all. Uh, and, and Pop was landing. It was, it was funny because I'd speak to him myriad times once a, once a, once a, once a day uh, obviously it was about 11 30 p.m at night when I <laughs> him because he was in london obviously and I used to remind him <laughs> everything was long distance <laughs> yeah, but that was okay but you know we, we we didn't have an office for three months uh in the end um we started hiring some staff and uh, with the assistance of the ffa and so i used to come to training here at blacktown and pick up two bags catch a train to the ffa till about seven to nine ten o'clock at night because don't forget and the other thing is very important here to know. We were a club, because we're owned by the FFA as well, we were a club that was incumbent upon us to set up a W League team, uh-huh. a National Youth League team, mm. and an A-League team in three months. Not and, and teams subsequent that's come in subsequent to us haven't had that obligation. They need to set up themselves and, and get some traction. We didn't have that, that, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Because if we were truly a community club, then... Uh, 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 male and female need to be represented, and the youth need to be uh, have have, a, have an outlet here. And continuing in that vein, we are in a unique situation that we do not charge our youth. You have seen our youth scattered all over the league, whether they play for the Wanderers or not. We are very proud to see them because they originate from here and have the opportunity here, and we don't charge them to to, to play. Unlike um, mm. most of them. 
John, uh, you talk about those early days where you know you really didn't have any resources. Now the Wanderers are the envy of the league with regards to you know the academy and and the world class new stadium that you're able to play at. Uh, so the obvious thing that's eluded the Wanderers in, in recent seasons has been that repeating that success on the pitch for the for the first team. Um, and you've spoken about how important Tony Popovich was in those early days as a, a kind of inspirational figurehead. Uh, do you feel the same way about Mark Rodan, who's just been appointed on a long-term contract? Yeah, I think I think Mark, I think Mark, and you've seen the team, and you've seen it as recently as last night. We probably didn't play our best way, but we were resolute. We were gritty, determined. Yeah, we were committed. Those players were committed. Mm. You, you will see elements, hallmarks, not only of the football club of the region. It's blue collar. It, re- it reflected those early elements of where we were at. Correct. And Scraped and fought, then we got to win. Because Adelaide is a hell of a place to go. I, I've done this for 15 years. <laughs> hell of a place to go. Not many times have I come back from Adelaide with a smile on my face. Same as Perth, right, and Wellington. All those trips are hard. But you saw an element there that reflective of the region and of this football club and of its original DNA. And you also saw last night uh, a young boy from the Western Sydney region. Uh, the, the, you know, his roots, Nadjarine. His roots are Western Sydney. And he, yeah. and he opened the scoring for you. Yeah, look, Rami. And Robert, Rami's a product of our academy, right? Yeah, and yeah. Rami's a product of our academy. And he went away, went to Melbourne City. Yeah, where he flourished. Uh, he flourished. And he's come yeah. back home. Yeah. His brother's in our academy as well. And, 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 and a proud moment, and I don't think too much has been made of it. And Keanu Backers, one of the original um, players in our academy, wore the armband last night. And, <sighs> and that is the story mm. that this club is built upon, right? That's yeah. what we want to do. You know, win, win or lose, what are you doing away from the pitch that brings an element to the, to the oh, we need to win, we, are, we won't escape that. that that's, that's paramount at the forefront because we can see the passion that these fans have and the expectations are very high based on those early years, right? But it's a very proud moment to see one of your own kids wear the armband with pride and a number of those players are from our academy have graduated to the first team. It means it means something more when you put it like that, because to me, it, I can see the image now of the baton being passed generation to generation. The youngster who's come through the club and is now the captain of the club. Um, yeah, it adds. It's a very special and very poignant moment, and it and it must be for you too, because you you've put your hand up and you've said my time at the club is nigh. Um, it, you'll finish at the end of the season and the season is fast approaching an end. Uh, we've got some exciting uh, games coming up. Uh, Mark Rodan is just starting to get the sort of results you guys have been hoping for that he might be able to achieve when you appointed him. Um, there are some very interesting uh, you know, char- characters at the club. You've, you've, got some, you've got some real characters. You've also discovered some wonderful talent do you think there's enough time to make those last adjustments that Mark will do, because we've seen him now on a couple of different occasions, create some really creative teams to play some good football? Have you got enough to get you to the finals? Look, I think the change was made for that in mind. Yep. I mean, it'd be folly for us to give up on a season that we believe, if you talk to anyone, the talent is there in this squad. It has been. It always has been. It's just about um, being able to... to to wear the pressure as well as the jersey and everything that comes with it. 
Our, our club has high expectations. Our fans demanded, and rightly so. So do our corporate partners, and so does the region itself. And I think uh, the change was made to to enable us to 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 give Mark the proper running. The challenge is for him is obviously coming in without a proper pre-season, uh, with different style of play, if, if, if that's so he chooses. Um, but we have every belief that we're on the right road. We have every belief that we'll be heading into the finals. Um, we're on an, except we're about to embark on an exciting road here, in a, a road trip here. And and I think um, there'll be some, some, some good times ahead for the Wanderers uh, fans very, very soon. Well, we're obviously, you know, everyone's hoping that, that Mark Rudan will be a success there because, you know, the, the A-League in many ways needs a successful Western Sydney Wanderers and, and a passionate fan base uh, following them. But uh, what's the, the architecture in place for the long term? Because we know the reality of football is coaches come and go. There have been a few coaches that have come through since Tony Popovich in terms of, you know, you know Gombaugh and Robinson and others. What's the long-term architecture in place at the club to ensure that no matter who's coaching the team, those values that you talk about are adhered to in terms of bringing through the young players and playing a certain way? Look, those conversations and, and, and the reason that I've I've made my announcement at the time was to enable the board and, and, and those in charge to be able to make that strategy themselves. Mm. I think um, uh, I think that. Giving Mark the the opportunity to to plan what he needs to plan with a running will will, will allow the board to assess where that needs to be. I think you'll see uh, more things more evident in in a very short period of time. I think it's better for others to comment on that scene sure. that I've now that made that that call, and that's the reason I've done that. Um, but having said that, everything's in place. There are twelve hectares of land here being developed. It is the ultimate place. We've had nothing but torrential rain here for the last month, and those pitches the very next day were playable for our academy youth and women, right? So these are facilities. We don't have to go out hiring. We don't have to go begging. We don't have to calling. We don't have to Everything is here for every player to perform at their optimum level. Now, it's incumbent on everyone involved in the club, including me as a CEO during that time, to make sure that the best results and everything is in place for that to happen. Um, we've provided everything we can. Now we hope those results follow, and I have no doubt that they will. The great times are ahead for the Wanderers. That's fantastic stuff. Now, what's left for you? Look, I'm in a space of uh, now transitioning the next couple of months and ensuring that um, any loose ends are, are covered. Scott, Scott, Scotty Hudson now, who's been with the club for nine years, um, he's, he's, he's appointed as general manager and will do a fantastic job here. Um, but he's ably supported by a great group of people here and you know you've got Mark Jensen here, he's the operations manager you've got Gavin Costello Natalie Gatt has been with us from the from, from the outset uh, in our marketing team Patrick Bullis Jeremy Cesar in our media they all get it right so Ian Cook in the academy and Danny Agartos has been on your show George with yep. the membership mm-hmm. team and, and whatnot and, and and like I said we're very fortunate that we've got Paul Letterer as, as you know as the chairman of this club who has led this vision, doesn't matter what plans and strategies and that, uh, things take dollars and, and cents to put on the table and him and the board and, uh, you know, thankfully uh, Jefferson Chin and Glenn Duncan have, have seen the vision, subscribe to it and put their money where their mouth is. And, George, you've seen in the game since 1977 and before that, that's the hardest part. It's okay, we can talk vision, we can talk strategy. Hey, but to do that in a relatively short period of time and push everything through, credit to them and credit to the chairman. 
Fantastic stuff. Listen, it's uh, been a joy to catch up with you. We know you've got uh, a few weeks left. Uh, we wish you every success. It's been a remarkable decade. You can have the naysayers and critics saying, you haven't had the, uh, the wins lately, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. There are an awful lot of people who, who say, we're gonna, we're gonna. You went far and beyond that. You delivered, and you delivered from, uh, from a base that, as I said to Josh, if we had to write a script, for Hollywood, they'd knock it back because they'd say no one's going to believe it. You've scaled the heights, my my young man. Um, you, you may have given up a bit more hair than you you wanted to, but you know what? It's that chrome dome is shining even on this screen. Uh, we wish you every success for your next adventure. But uh, I think you've left some wonderful people with some very very solid rocks to work with. And uh, what a tremendous uh, journey still lies ahead for the next captains who are going to pick up the cudgels. And uh, I leave you with that image of your, your, your current captain, one of the original youngsters who was brought in, and he's been the full journey with the club. Mm. Now, it's and I told him. him that last night, George. I told him that in the dressing room. I'm very proud. You, you know what's we there together. You know what's and, he, and he actually played with my son as a 10-year-old. So I know that as a kid. So it's, it's, it's very particular. But, George, you remember when we met at Coffs Harbour all those years ago? Oh, God. That okay? You remember that. And we were at embryonic stage and where we were and where we are. So I thank you for your support. I thank you, Josh, as well, for having us on the show. Thank you for having my colleagues on the show. And I look forward to seeing you down the track at some point. Yeah, fantastic stuff. That was a marvellous time at Coffs Harbour. And uh, they went above and beyond. We got access to everybody. And uh, it was a marvellous time because it was the FFA Cup in its infancy. And the club was giving us an, an opportunity to see behind the scenes. So it was very special. John Tatsumas, our special guest on FNR, taking us back through what was a, a tremendous decade of football. One initially of superb success, uh, a, 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 an Asian title. Mm. No, no club in Australia has got close. So that's some journey. And congratulations to everybody, the players, the sponsors who were wrapped up early. Can you imagine how excited they would have been? <laughs> what a return. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, now, now the journey is can we continue? And for Bacchus, young Bacchus, the ultimate journey for him would be to deliver a premiership you know, mm. as a captain. Oh, wow. That, Could you imagine? Yeah, it would be wonderful. Let's take a break. We've got another special guest coming up. And this time we're going to talk about, um, uh, you know, football uh, at the grassroots and what it takes mm. and how much work is done behind the scenes. And we'll also talk about some of the other things that have been happening. Uh, and, of course, dare, dare I tell you, uh, my team won overnight, but we've, we're playing West Ham on the weekend. So we need to win two in a row to start breaking this curse of one up, one back, one up. One George, I also want to ask you what you think of Bruno Fornaroli in a Socceroos jersey. Oh, okay, <laughs> that, we'll talk about that when we come What's coming back. up? Go.